Welcome back to another episode of Be A Better Baddie. My name is Quanisha. I'm your host, your coach, your cheerleader, and your fellow baddie. And today we are talking about imposter syndrome. Every episode of Be A Better Baddie, of course, is dedicated to helping women become a better and more self-aware version of themselves. And at the end of each episode, I'll leave you with a reflection question or two to help you process the information you just received. It's the educator in me. Sorry, there has to be an assessment. So today we're talking about imposter syndrome. And I feel like I should add a disclaimer, especially with the direction I am taking my podcast, my entire branding. I am not a licensed therapist. I am just a baddie with a mic, time, and life experiences. Okay? So if you feel like, obviously I am not giving advice for someone that actually has mental illness. See a therapist if you feel like you need to see a therapist. What I say you can use it. You may, you could not use it. I'm still going to make this podcast. So, um, yeah. Um, imposter syndrome, of course, is something that is one of those popular things. And I never thought it was like a, a like diagnosed mental illness. So it's not just in case you did think that. But I remember the first time I felt imposter syndrome and I didn't know the name of it necessarily. I learned the name of it years after. So the first the first time I felt like I felt truly imposter syndrome was going to college. And that's when I also got over imposter syndrome for the most part. Um, so I remember sitting in like my classroom the first week of classes, kind of second week, you know, people start, classes start, right? We have syllabus week. Then classes start and people are then, we're talking about readings, right? We are, I remember even in my music class, like I've been in music my entire life. Like my mom sent me to the best magnet schools that I could get into for me to study music. So I was pretty knowledgeable about music and moving into the music classes. Everything was very easy for me but I still found myself not really speaking out in class, right? Or feeling like, oh, the, I mean, I went to a PWI, they were white. Everybody in my class was white. So it's like, oh, all the the white kids know everything, you know? So I kind of felt like I don't know. So I found myself studying harder than I did before. And I mean, granted, when you go to college, it's a new academic setting. Most people don't study in high school. And in college is the first time they find themselves actually having to study. But I know, I remember like I was looking over things just to make sure I remembered it or I was saying it, I was highlighting, I was studying more because I want to feel more confident to speak in the classroom. I want to have that same air of confidence as the other students who were just kind of relaxed and just talking. And it was, it wasn't anything groundbreaking they were saying. Like I knew all of that stuff. I just didn't feel confident to say it. So after all of my my preparation for the next class period, knew exactly what I was going to say. Like literally, I'm telling y'all, like nobody knows this. I would write down the points I wanted to say in class. Like 
I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this because I had been observing and I'm like, okay, this is how they, this is how they talk because college, sitting in a college classroom, if you've never had that before, like it's a different setting. Like I never had been in a space where it was conversation based. It was mostly a teacher when, and at least from my public high school experience, a teacher lecturing to you, you read, you wrote essays, but as far as having a discussion led by the students, no. So once I finally came to the point where I was more comfortable speaking in class after all my preparation, I was like, it, it just dawned on me. Like once I, I guess my, my mindset then kind of elevated in a sense, I was like, none of you are smarter than me. Like you're, you're literally not. And I obviously did not say that in the classroom, but in my head, I was like, none of you guys are actually smarter than me. Like you guys have had more practice than me in an academic setting. But as far as knowing how to process information better than me, knowing how to analyze, knowing how to say things like we, we are basically on the same level. So me having the practice did it that was all i needed and i remember i had the conversation with my friend i was like yo white people actually aren't that smart like they just they just you know they're confident they they aren't i mean like don't take this one part and say that i said white people aren't smart they're smart white people but at that moment i was like wow this is this is what it is so after college started working, et cetera, in education. And that's when I learned what imposter syndrome was. And I was like, oh, I definitely felt imposter syndrome. And the name itself kind of threw me off because I was like, syndrome, like down syndrome. Like that's a that's a lifelong thing that like let me look up syndrome real quick. I don't know. Let me look up syndrome. Hold on. All right, I'm back. I looked up syndrome. So the official definition is a set of medical signs and symptoms which are correlated with each other and often associated with a particular disease or disorder. So it's there. Um, just the word syndrome though makes it sound like it's very serious. And I don't think it's that serious now, at least in from my perspective. Now, some of you may truly like feel flustered and kind of paralyzed when you think about facing your imposter syndrome. So hopefully this episode will help you gain a little bit more insight and get over it in a sense, you know? So looking into it for this episode, it, it was, so, so let me back up. So after college, I definitely felt imposter syndrome. Like one that stood out to me immediately was starting this podcast. Who, like, it took me a while to even, you know, put it out there. Like, I remember I recorded my first episode so many times because I didn't think that I was, I guess, important enough to get on a microphone and share my experiences and people think they that they're valuable, you know? And even when I posted more on Instagram and TikTok, I was very, I was petrified. I was like, what will people think of me? But so what? Who cares? I did it. I did it anyways, right? Because ultimately, if you keep waiting until things are perfect or 
you feel 100% prepared to tackle any new task, there's a great chance you'll never do it. Like very much, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but it's kind of a learning process. Like you do things and you learn. Like I started my podcast, I learned new things as I did it, took feedback. You need to get data before you do things perfectly as well. Like there's no way my podcast would be now be a better baddie with more of a brand and more purpose without me going through the process and collecting data on those things. So let's talk about history of imposter syndrome. Originally, it was named the imposter phenomenon, which I think it should be still called that. I think there are other names for it, but we all know it as syndrome. So there were two clinical psychologists, Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes, And in 1978, they studied, I think it was 100 young women. And these were high achieving women who had great grades, great jobs. And essentially, they theorized that young women have the young high achieving women have the internal experience of feeling like an intellectual phony. Okay. Later, Clance had to come forward and recount her conclusion from the study because there wasn't quote unquote strong enough evidence supporting the claim that only women felt imposter syndrome. So there were no men included in this study. I'm not sure why, but they didn't put it in, they didn't put men in there. But I can tell you right now, if you are a woman, you've sat through a how to combat imposter syndrome seminar, or you've talked about it with your friends. Probably, I don't know what men talk about, but I'm gonna make my assumptions because that's what I do here. Men don't talk about that. Like men are just like, go for it. Even when you look at job postings, they put that little thing there. Like, hey, we noticed that women and black people and people of color don't typically apply for jobs that they don't 100% qualify for. You should still apply. Because men are looking at that. I feel like I always say this every so Because men, okay. But men are looking at those job posts and they're like, all right, I know how to do Microsoft Word. And I know how to analyze data. I'm applying. Even though they only meet 20% of the criteria, they still apply. They still have that air of confidence. And maybe we should be studying them. It shouldn't even be how do you combat imposter syndrome. It's how do you deflate your ego? That's probably what it should be. So over 70% of adults have experienced imposter syndrome at least once in their lifetime. So men and women obviously encounter imposter syndrome and it's not a diagnosable syndrome it doesn't require any treatment of sort but i will say it is a large scale cultural phenomenon like everyone is talking about it it's everywhere um is it rooted in sexism definitely when did women ever feel 100 percent comfortable to be in the same space as a man professionally I don't know if I, I don't I don't know if like we needed to name it like of course right but now it definitely is a capitalistic thing like you think somebody not gonna go sell a book on how to get over imposter syndrome child please I may write the next book so now we're gonna talk about things that can contribute to you developing imposter syndrome because we all come from different walks of lives and um We've experienced different things, but a lot of different things can 
help develop that. So family expectations is one. And as I'm, I'm going to just going to read through them, like, just think about your own experiences and what stands out to you as I'm reading through them. So family expectations, overprotective parents, graduate level coursework, racial identities, attribution style, anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, perfectionism, excessive self-monitoring with an emphasis on self-worth. Okay. All of these, I felt like that when I read these, I felt like I could identify or contribute to at least 80% of these, right? So thinking about the overprotective parent, like if your parent was always overbearing and didn't allow you to try things or do things, then when you become an adult, you don't want to try things or do things because you may be afraid. They're also very related too. So having the overprotective parent may relate to anxiety, of course. So then you have anxiety. Um, perfectionism, you wanting to do everything perfect, that will contribute to it because you feel like because it's not perfect, it's not right. So there are actually some imposter syndrome archetypes. Before I go into all the archetypes, there was this quiz and I was taking it and it was so stupid because a lot of these quizzes are leading. So I'll link the quiz for you in the show notes. No need to take it though. Like I'm going back to look at the questions now. And as I was taking, I was like, this is stupid. So it's by Grammarly. One of the questions says, I leave the office. And then the only two options is when my work is done last, there's always work to do. This is assuming that I'm going to finish my work because I'm looking for the answer that says I leave the office when it's time for me to leave the office. So maybe this quiz wasn't meant for me because only a certain type of person would look for a quiz. Like, of course, this is going to come up at the end and say, you feel imposter syndrome because you feel like you need to overwork to compensate. So that that's why I'm not talking about any quiz results because it was it look look, what emotion do you feel when something goes wrong at work shame motivation guilt what about nothing what if you don't feel anything when nothing goes wrong at work because work is just work but that could just be my feelings (sighs) I digress so archetypes imposter syndrome and there are a total of I think five one two or five so stick with me number one is the perfectionist and as you're listening to these of course see which one you identify with so the perfectionist is primarily focused on focusing on how they do things and they demand perfection in most aspects of their life however we all know perfectionism is not realistic so you cannot always be perfect so instead of acknowledging the hard work that you've done You're going to criticize yourself for the small mistakes and feel ashamed of your failure. You may even not, you probably won't even try new things because you feel like I didn't do it perfect the first time. So I'm not going to do it at all. There's the perfectionist. Second is the natural genius. So the natural genius picks up skills with little or no effort. I think of like the kid who was in gifted and talented, um, So you find that if you try something and it doesn't come to you easily, you feel like a fraud 
you feel like you failed. You might feel ashamed and embarrassed from failing. You're gonna see the you're gonna see the common pattern. Next is the soloist. You believe that you should be able to achieve. Ugh. You believe that you should be able to handle everything solo. If you can't do it by yourself, then what the hell are you doing? You don't believe in asking people for help. You don't believe in accepting support. You just want to do it yourself. Because if you feel like you can't do it yourself, then you may feel inadequate. Fourth is the expert. So this person considers their work a success and they want to learn everything they, there is on a topic. So this is the person that wants to know all the answers, study everything, and really consider themselves as an expert. So if there's something that they don't know or they encounter a situation where they don't know what to do, then they feel like a fraud. And then the last one is the superhero. So superheroes are linking their success to the role they have in other people's lives. So you're a student, you're a friend, you're an employee, you're a parent. If you don't fulfill at that, if you don't fulfill that role in relation to other people, if you're not maximizing your effort, then you will feel like you are an imposter. Okay. So again, those five, and I will link something in the show notes for you. Perfectionist, natural genius, soloist, expert, and the superhero. I will say I felt a little bit of all of them. At some point in my life, I felt like I, I was one of these archetypes. I don't think that there's anyone that can say they are one archetype. We are all a combination of all of them because we're all multifaceted humans. So with that, I I think the one though that I'll say for real, for real is me is the soloist. If I can't do it myself, I'm, I just won't do it. But I'm learning to ask for help. But as I'm doing this, the thing that is so hilarious, if you watched Inventing Anna or The Tinder Swindler, you will see that true imposters never get imposter syndrome. Anna never presented a sense of doubt about herself. She believed she was this heiress so hard that everyone else around her believed it. I forgot the Tinder Swindler's name, but he you, you he made you believe he was rich so much that all those women thought he was rich the high self-esteem and the confidence that they projected created like a security blanket around them the imposter set it up that way so the fact that you do think that you are an imposter shows that you're not an imposter because you don't feel the need to put up a big facade in a sense but also not everyone is a secret genius and their insecurity is covering it up. Some people are actually just unqualified. So I don't want it to seem like, I don't, I don't want it to sound like, oh my God, everyone's so smart and beautiful. And like anyone that doesn't see that, like screw them. No, no, not everyone is smart. Not everyone is capable. And that's okay. Find the thing that you are good at. That's okay. But but, but, but that's not my place to judge that. Back to imposter syndrome. At its core, it's a human emotion. 
it's anxiety and every single person feels anxiety i think that it's being sensationalized in this current society because it can sell things right but it's that feeling fear feeling dread feeling uneasiness especially when you're around other smart and ambitious people that's going to happen that's natural that's human nature Whenever people do enter a new phase of their life or they tackle a new task, it's no, they don't know what they're doing, right? Like think about uh, a, a parent. So parents come home from the hospital with a baby. They don't know what to do if that's their first child. Like what, the nurses aren't here anymore to take them? Like how exactly do we do this? It's a new experience and with time, they will then come to fully identify as parents and really feel like they are parents. When you get a new job, you don't really know what to do. It's kind of like, mm, I need training. Most people need training at their jobs because jobs are very specific. You get it. So in a sense, you it's not faking it till you make it. It's practicing until you become I'm going to say that for now. Practicing until you become, because that that's what it is. Um, I'm going to talk about how to get over imposter syndrome. You probably will not like my advice because in so many words, my advice is get over it. But of course, I'm going to break it down. Everyone, Everyone's going to feel this, but you can't keep putting off your happiness because you're afraid of what others will say about you. One of my favorite sayings is, do it scared. If it's not life-threatening, go through with the plan. You're scared? Guess what? That's okay. Actually, anxiety is kind of healthy for you. It helps you avoid danger or it helps activate like your fight or flight, something like that. So now we're going to jump into how to get over imposter syndrome. And from my research, one of the biggest ways is to talk to other people that you deem as successful about their experience with feeling like an imposter. Okay. That's, that's the most helpful, but that is also you waiting on someone else to resolve your issues. That's you working on someone else's time, waiting for them to open up or until you reach out to them or for it to come up in a conversation about how they felt like an imposter. So you could feel better about yourself. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Um, I'm going to, we're going to get over it ourselves, you know, because at the end of the day, it really is you against you. Other people can't really change how you feel about yourself. So the three ways to get over imposter syndrome, one is realizing that failure is normal. So in all the archetypes that I read, all of the people, all the archetypes, they felt failure if they didn't accomplish things based on how they view themselves. But if you don't realize that people are going to fail, regardless of how perfect or superhuman or smart they are, like you're going to fail. You're, you're going to fail. That's okay. If the first you don't succeed, dust yourself off and try again. Dust yourself off and try again. Try again. Try again. That that's, that's all I have to say about that. Realize that failure is normal. You won't feel like an imposter 
in any situation because if you try it and you fail, whelp, you're a human, it happens. Now, if you are a surgeon and you are doing a big surgery, you don't have room to fail. But most of us are not in that situation. Most of us listening to this podcast are not surgeons going into the operating room tomorrow to try to save someone's life. Okay. That's number one. Failure is normal. Number two, be honest and ask questions. Nobody is perfect. Nobody knows it all. That's okay. Be honest about where you stand. Be honest about what you know. Be honest about your skill set. Like even like I'm thinking like maybe if you get a job and you've lied on your resume that you know how to do it. Be honest about your capability then to yourself. Be honest. Um, And then ask questions. We've been socialized to think asking questions is a sign of weakness. So think about it in the classroom. If you went to a public school, you probably were discouraged from collaborating with your peers because if you can't do it on your own, then can you actually do it? But everybody collaborates in the real world. Everyone collaborates. Everyone who's on top, every rich person in the world collaborates because they know they don't know everything. They bring people on their team to advise them to um, do things for them that they are experts in, right? It's okay to collaborate. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask clarifying questions. Make sure you're on the same page as someone. It's, it's okay. And I think overall, what I'm trying with those two, it's realize you're human, realize that you are human. And then with the third one, feelings, your feelings aren't facts. This is, this one's going to be a hard one for a lot of people to a tough pill to swallow. It was a tough pill for me to swallow too. Your feelings are not facts. You are not the only person in this world that feels emotion. I'm not the only person in this world that feel emotion. All of us do, but we tend to centralize our own emotions, rightfully so, because if we don't prioritize us, who will? But we tend to prioritize, centralize them so much that we allow our emotions to triumph over logic. That's the reason why so many people were catching COVID in the beginning when they could have easily avoided it because their feelings were, I wanna be near my family, even though I just went to the club last night over the facts when the facts were stay home, stay isolated. That's the reason we stay with the wrong partner for so long because it's, I love him. And I just, I just love, love is a feeling. It's not a fact. If you look at the facts, he's inconsistent. He doesn't make you happy, whatever it is, right? That's a fact, but you are prioritizing your feelings over facts. That's the reason why we don't apply for those jobs that we're more than qualified for. The fact is you have the education, you've done all these things at your job, but you feel like maybe the title isn't the next logical thing for you. You have a feeling, but that's just a feeling and not the fact. In the case of imposter syndrome, you need to understand that facts cannot be disputed. If you've lived the experience, you have the education, you have the training, you have the skill set, you have the determination or whatever it is that you need to do, that's a fact and your feelings about it don't matter. Stop letting the inner critic in you take up all the space, okay? 
The inner critic in you does not need to keep talking so much. Shut her up. Shut her up. Okay. So in a way, you are the only person stopping yourself from getting over imposter syndrome. You don't need to buy a book. You don't need to go to a training. If it's bigger than this, then maybe you do need to go see a therapist and that's okay. Again, my three ways to get over imposter syndrome, realize failure is normal. Be honest and ask questions and realize your feelings are not facts. With that, I am going to sign out. But of course, here is your reflection question. And this this one's this one's deep. Like I start I wrote about this one last night and I was like, oh my God. But <clears throat> what limiting belief is holding you back? Because I can guarantee you it has something to do with you feeling like you're an imposter, but you're not an imposter. So with that, please make sure you re-read. Make sure you read the blog, actually. Yep. Make sure you read the blog. Um, be a better be a better baddie.com if there's something that you want to get. And that's where I'll link all of the sources. That's where I'll link the quiz. That's where you'll be able to read through these if you're more of a visual learner. Um, so visit the website. Please make sure you rate this podcast. So if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, you can you can put a star on it. Please give me a rating. Leave a review if you're on Apple Podcast. I really do appreciate that. And um, yeah, let me know what you think about the episode and we will be back for another one next week. Bye.